0: Oh, well, switch notes. Glad I grabbed the right notes. This morning, hey, we like to keep it real in this church. Remember last week, Mike Rob forgot his glasses? Well, today as I was whipping out the door, I grabbed my boots and I put them on and I put my work boots on. It's hard being a farmer and a pastor because I'm always swapping hats and I forgot about my shoes. So I was almost going to come up here and bear socks, he just my socks on. Then you would have been saying, what's he got socks on for? So I thought, nah, let's just own up to it. I'm a farmer. I'm associate pastor here. I, I, uh, I, if, you, if you're new here today, I, um, I help run the church in the background of um, Dre and Hannah, uh, which are just amazing lead pastors we've got here. We've seen a, an incredible journey um, for the last five years. We've got an incredible teams, and I say teams because we've got teams everywhere of incredible people in Cornerstone. We have babies, lots of them now. We used to have none. Now we've got lots, and it's just great to see what's happened. So just excited to, um, you know, welcome you here today. I'm always enthusiastically welcome new people, and it's like you probably think, oh, "I'm not coming to this church." That guy's too much. Sorry, it's my personality. So, um, Friday, uh, Friday, I had a day off. Proper day off where I didn't use too much energy, and I, I took four of the guys from the Franklin Graham uh, Crusade for a tour through Arthur's Pass and up to the Craigieburn Hut and up to Castle Hill, and it was quite a cool day. And it was it was funny. Just I love the fact that I realised that I'm actually a people person. When I when I do something like that, there Jared got me and Jared Van Berkel got me into it. But when, when I do something like that, it's like it actually I quite enjoyed poking cheek at these guys and taking them up these trails until the finally at the last one, two of the guys didn't finish the. Didn't complete things because they did but too much walking, but hey, you've got to walk. So that's who I am. I'll take you a bit further than you want to go. So this morning, I want to take you a little bit further than you want to go. This is, uh, I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> As a church, we're Pentecostal. So that's my roots. And I just really felt to speak into this um, area this morning. And, and my my message is this. I, I, was, I wasn't too sure what name, what to call it. But I was, I was thinking initially, I was thinking heart and flesh. Then I was thinking, oh, that's weird, that doesn't really work. And then I thought, oh, spiritual hunger, but that sounds too spiritual. Most of us will think, oh my gosh, here we go. And then I thought of the words all in, and I like all in. All right, so if we start with a scripture. Whew, I've been told that this words are too small, but it's not the point to put them up there. It's just to prove that it's in the Bible. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, is near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. make straight his, uh, his, Make straight paths for him. And John's clothes were made of camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region, Of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I don't don't know about you, but this is crazy. This is like his hippie comes from nowhere with hair like Donny. Do you want to do a twirl? Do a twirl, man, like that. I mean, here's this guy who's been eating, you know, honey and locusts, and 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 he's he's got wearing leather. We think of different people wearing leather in New Zealand But all of a sudden all these people come out to see this crazy man Or sort of seemed like a crazy man And he's, then he's in the river baptising people And people are just flocking to, be, to repent of their sins and be baptised And it's like, it's like, what's going on here? And so I had a question Why did the people respond? That was my own question So this is why when you're preaching, sometimes you've got to answer your own question before you can ask the question. And then I thought, because there was a spiritual hunger in the land. Yeah, Arthur, that's right, spiritual hunger. So there's a spiritual hunger in the land, and then then it's like, so the people respond, that makes sense. But then why? Why was there a spiritual hunger in the land? And so... In my thinking, it's amazing where you go when you're thinking, but I'm thinking, well, what happened between Malachi and Matthew? The last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament. So I, I Google searched it like you do these days and I found this thing out. There was a 400-year gap between Malachi and Matthew. That's a long time. How many prophets have you heard about in that period? How many godly kings have you heard about in that period? How many prophetesses have you heard about in that period? I haven't heard of any. And so what had happened, there was, this, there was this time period where there wasn't like a real obvious voice of God somehow. I don't know, if, if you've been to Bible school, you might know a bit more than me. Fergus, bro, you're not contracting today. That's what happens with con- when you're farming, you're weather dependent. All right. So I was thinking, why don't we see these people? Why don't we see the, 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 like the voice of God? So, okay, we understand now there's a spiritual hunger because there was an absence of the, the presence of God. And so then I saw this, um, this uh, what do you call it, commentary. And I thought, this is pretty good. So I'm just going to read the commentary because there's no point in me making it up. No point in reinventing the wheel. It says this, The period of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament is nothing new. It actually follows the pattern of God that has, he has repeated throughout the Old Testament. First, God generally designed or allowed a desperate situation to arise before presenting his deliverance. Secondly, he always called upon a faithful servant to stand in the gap, making intercession to him on behalf of the people, and to be his agent through whom he can perform his work. Most of the patriarchs and the prophets, including Noah, Abraham, Joseph, and the judges, Esther, Nehemiah, they filled this gap, created by humanity's desire to do things their own way. The efforts of man had to be frustrated before the divine intervention ensured. The recorded history of the intertestamental—I got that. Take note. Periods of to, to, points to a, a similar experience. It seems that God allowed His people to exhaust their resources and reduce themselves to another desperate situation before He brought to, on to them on the scene His most faithful and only perfect servant, His Son. Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so there was a hunger, a spiritual hunger for something that was real. And we're going to look at why that happened in a minute. But it makes sense. If you provide, deprive yourself of something for long enough, you are, you are more desperate for it when it comes. All right? If you don't eat chocolate enough and you see a cake of chocolate, like this morning, it's like, sheesh, I just want Chocolate. So if we, there was a depriving there. I was just talking to someone just recently who have, they used to be in the same church as us, and we come from a New Life scene. It's a Pentecostal church, and they'd gone off to a sort of more sort of mainstream church where it wasn't so much moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, initially, when they went there, I was like, ah, oh, you know, love our church, everything. But a few years in, that says we miss the presence of the Holy Spirit in the services. We miss the the the, the spiritual giftings in the services, and it was like I was like. Yes, that's good that we can miss something. So sometimes when we've got it, we get used to it. But when we haven't got it, we can miss it. We went to a conference, and I didn't get to speak about the conference because when I got back from conference, I had COVID, so I had to have a week off. And I passed it on to four of our team. But banning Leibschke he's from uh, Jesus Culture he's one of the pastors in Jesus Culture movement there he said this at the conference when society is at its lowest that's when God breaks in are we seeing a little bit of society at its lowest right now life is hard and I'm not going to get all political I'm not going to go into it but when I say that you know what I mean if you need some help to know you can talk to me later but there's, it's life's hard. I'm a farmer, and the rules and regulations and, and restrictions that are coming on farming are crazy. And a lot of them are stupid. I, and I get, the, I get the intent, but a lot of the rules are ridiculous. And it's like, um, I was talking to a young guy, and he dropped some calves off the other day, and he goes to a church, the church we used to go to, actually. Really good young guy, connected with the community, um, does a lot of rugby, so he's a rugby player. Um, he, he went quite high in the ranks, but he's really committed, connected to the community. And he said to me, he said, Lyndon, it's tough out there. He says, there's five people in Leaston in the last month that have tried to commit suicide. They tried. They didn't succeed. I know he took one of them off the ledge. And it's like, when he said that, it's like, I was like, I have no problem believing him And so life is hard. You know, I have people now asking about meat, you know, saying, oh, you're a hunter. Do you ever have too much meat? (laughs) It's a pointed question. Hey, Fergus. (laughs) I'm not going to go there, don't worry. But I I have people coming and asking because uh, actually, look, we're looking for something to replace like our, our beef and our chicken and that because it's just getting too expensive. And it's like people are finding that it's hard. I, I um, and it sort of excites me because when people are, are struggling, people are open because they want answers, they want help. I was just talking to a guy, and when, when we were with the, these guys from America on Friday, I stopped at Arthur's Pass and I was just, you know, we just went to the toilet and it was just coming out. And I, I caught the, the side on profile of this young guy that had just gone in before me and had just gone out. He was about 30 meters away. And I, I, as he walked out, I thought, do I know him? And then I, I just, just, just in time before he got into his van, I, I, I remembered his name, Damien, and I just, I, I thought my other friends were just over here, my new friends were just there, and I thought I'm just going to do it. So I said, Damien, and this guy he turns, I thought it's him, I've got him, and so he sort looked, of, oh, okay, it's you, and he's the the nephew of my brother who died, and uh, he's 28. And he's living in that grey mouth, tough times. Last time I saw him, I think it was the memorial service of my brother, um, you know, him and his brother looked shocking. They, you know, alcoholism has really got a hold of them. And I was just talking to him and I said, man, you're looking good. And then he downloaded what's going on. He says, man, no. he says, says, um, I've given up drinking a year ago. I was in huge depression, trapped in depression. And he says the alcohol was keeping him in it. He gave up drinking and now he's free from that. He's free from depression. And it was like, I didn't mean to, all my mates, my American friends are standing there. They've got a big crusade happening in town, and I'm crusading here. And I was like, this is good. It was such a random, he says, man, what, he just said to me, he says, it's so freaky that we met in this car park in Arthur's Pass. But the thing is, there are people in desperate situations all around us that need what we have. They need God in their lives. They need the Holy Spirit in their lives. John the Baptist came and Jesus came at a time of spiritual hunger in the land. Okay, this one here says, it "says this." This is another. This is uh, when Jesus came. But when they, uh, but when he saw, oh, sorry, no, this is the end of John the Baptist. So this carries on from where it was before. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming?" From the coming wrath. This is the the pastors. (laughs) This is the priests and the pastors. You brood of vipers. It's like, sheesh, hush. Produce fruit keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up chaff with unquenchable fire. I don't want to be chaff. Anybody want to be chaff? And so... You want to be wheat. You want to be wheat. So, the spiritual leaders of the day had lost connection with God. It became rules and regulations and restrictions, and it's like there was something lost that they couldn't claw back. Except that a prophet of like the the, 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 of John the Baptist, and then Christ the Savior came to rectify that. Which we live in that freedom today. I just wanted to play a song here. it's a song. It's, it's if you're watching online, uh, it's, it's "Heart and Flesh" by Leland and Taylor. Um, it's going to be the, the video is going to be cut, so um, we're going to listen to that. Just this just four minutes. But you know how many of you guys have theme songs in your life? Okay, we're going to introduce theme songs to your life. I always have theme songs. This is my last three week f- theme song. You know, sometimes upbeat one, sometimes slow. this one here. I nearly. You know, sometimes when I'm listening to the worship songs and you know, I'm out you know, shifting the irrigator or something, sometimes I'll skip a song because it starts off too slow. And I nearly skipped this one except I saw who was singing in it. So I thought, oh, okay, they're both pretty reputable singers, so I'm going to listen to it. So just just um, close your eyes. I guess there'll be a video showing in a second. But or just meditate on the words of the song. Just let it resonate with you, and then I'll carry on after it. you How many feel like you've just come into the presence of God? You're welcome. How many of you have got a theme song for the next three weeks? But the the thing this song here sort of caught my heart, man. It's not like a a farmer song, is it? You know, I'm I'm driving across the paddock on my tractor and big irrigator behind me, and I'm just like worshipping my heart and my flesh. And it's like, flip. The neighbors must think I'm a crazy man, but like John the Baptist. Anyway. I've experienced religion, you know, I grew up in a, in a church that was dead as a doornail and I've, I've, I've um, experienced the, the intimacy and, and connection and freedom of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, at Salvation at 19, um, absolutely turned my life upside down. Instead of trying to escape God, I just wanted more of God. So... There is no comparison between like, the religious rules and regulations and the freedom of the spirit. Uh, when I first came to Cornerstone, it was one of those mornings that you laugh about in time, but it wasn't funny on the day. Um, it's a small crowd. Some of the guys are here today, friendly bunch, um, but there was a situation going on with the music team that I didn't know about, and it was like, I saw what I saw, but I picked up something in my spirit of what Cornerstone's going to look like in the future, and only God can speak into a situation like that. There, I know that Dre was concerned when he saw me coming through the doors. He thought, "Not today," because they knew something was going down. not today. And then, but we, Kath and I, came back the next week, and and uh, we teamed up with with Dre and Hannah, and I think Jordan and Elliot. You know, being a big part of that too as, as our music directors. And and uh, from a very small beginnings, um, we've just been absolutely crazily. Shocked and impressed at what God can do in a community, in a church. It's awesome. As leadership, you know, we talk about church culture. You know, it's like this just doesn't happen. And so, you know, when you've got, you know, experienced people like Warren and Rob, then you've got Andre and Hannah and myself, and then we've got our advisors, Donnie. Um, Shelley's an advisor at the moment. We've had Stefan and, and Willie. Now, we've had... People coming into our group that when we get together, you know, we are always talking culture. And we're talking what we want our church to look like. It just doesn't happen. And so sometimes when, when there's a nudge, and say, say this morning for you, it's a bit of a nudge. It's, oh man, Lyndon's using some pretty worshipy songs and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And oh, I don't know if I want to go that far. You know, I feel a bit nervous about that. When that happens, it's a good thing. Because we can choose whether we're going to enter into what God has or not. And so as a leadership team, you know we want to set the platform to bring people into the presence of God. Are we where we want to be? Guess what? No, we're not. We're not where we want to be because we know God's got a lot more. If we were happy to settle, then we would start making up rules and regulations for everybody to adhere to and we'd miss out on the heart of God. But you know, I can get up here with my farm boots on this morning and actually feel quite comfortable because they fit good, eh? But God wants us to come deeper into relationship with him. One of our five cornerstones, the first one is what? Presence. That wasn't an accidental placement of that word. That was a designed thing, to put it first, so that when we come to church, it's about connecting with him. You know, I loved, um, go the Black Ferns, sheesh, what a game. Yeah, they need a clap, oh my gosh, that was about the most exciting game of rugby I've watched, ever. But you know what I, I noticed with these girls? They've got a culture, a team culture that is different from what we see. And and for um, Ruby Toohey and Stacey Flula, Flula, those two girls carry something on their lives that is Crazy, incredible! They influence the whole team, and you can see that the whole team is sparked by some personalities. And see, that's like the Holy Spirit in us. We need some some Ruby Twos and Stacy Flulers in our lives to to excite us. You know, because life's boring without Ruby and Stacy. And so, without the Holy Spirit, we can't expect to really to come into the into the fun times and the freedom that we could have if we choose not to let the Holy Spirit come into our lives. It takes a bit of vulnerability. I don't know, you know, the ladies are pretty good. They go to a cafe and they're good with vulnerability. They would talk all this stuff out. Us guys, we're not so good. It's like, nah, nah, I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. But I've I've just witnessed a group of guys just recently and we get vulnerable with each other. And I tell you what, there is something that happens. I believe the Holy Spirit inhabits that space of vulnerability, which is pretty exciting. And so we want to see greater, you know, we're out of COVIDs now, 2023 is here, and it's like we want to set some goals next year, personal goals. I think we all need to set some personal goals of where we're going with our walk with God. What what influence and what transference do we have on the generations around about us and the impact we have in a church? Exodus 33. This is um, Moses. He said, then if your presence... He said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. With the inference being like, if we go there and you're not there, I'm not coming. If we go there and you're not there, then we've just wasted our time. There's no point in being where you're not. Here's David. You know, David's fallen in adultery. He's, he's sort of messed up his life and he's, he's really killed you know, the. Uh, Uriah, and, and now he's, he hears his heart's cry Do not cast away your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is in the New Old Testament. Do not take away your presence. And it's like here is a, a war hardened, battle weary king who is saying, God, I need more of you. I don't take away what I had, I, I need you. and this is what Jesus said in Matthew 23. Oops. Don't read that. Oh, sh- okay, we'll try that again. Here we go. Make sure it's the right one. So Jesus said this to the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, now Jesus comes along after John. John's given them a serving, called them brood of vipers, or well, you wait till this happens. Jesus lines them up and says, "Oh, woe to you. You know that says distress and trouble to you. Distress and trouble to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in with you. Distress and trouble to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you you, you travel the land and sea to win one convert. And when he is won, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Oh, the pastors and the, and, the, and the priests of the day would be squirming at the moment. Then in verse twenty, I've just a few few choice ones that I've chosen. Why do you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, Pharisees, you hypocrites? You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. And then here's thirty-three. My favorite again. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Whoa, he smashed these guys, eh? It's um, he was saying there is nothing life giving and honest about what you're doing. You're you're binding people with um, rules and regulations and putting heavy burdens on them and they can't live up to because of your standards. And he's saying your standard's not the standard I'm looking for. And for our lives, I think our standard's got to be bigger than what we think. You know, sometimes we're happy to settle at something that's way less than what God wants us to be settle at. I had a prophet, there's a prophetic ministry came along to our church years ago and this guy comes up and he's really sharp prophetically. He was praying for people all over the place and he came to me and says, son, you've plateaued. And I was like, I don't want a plateau. I want to climb. But he said, you've plateaued and you need to, you know, you need to move on again. You need to climb again. You need to go, go on again. You know, you've plateaued and you got comfortable there. And I'm like, ah, I don't want a plateau. It's so important to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is people encountering the Holy Spirit and growing in God. Do you get that? That's, that's, that's where our church comes from. That's, that's the heart of our church. We want people, like I think if you look at our um, five uh, pillars again, we've got relationship, we've got growing, growing. We want to see people growing. Hannah at conference, this is this lady from Wellington. She's the Equippers Pastors, well, she's one of the Equippers Pastors. Um, and she, man, she had a great word. You know, she was really natural, got up there and was, wasn't really overawed in the situation. And she just shared her heart. And it was just, she had a really good message. But she said this, religion is activity that satisfies the heart into thinking that growth is taking place. And it's like, yeah, I get that. I get that. It's like, could that be going to church? Just be quiet. Sometimes, you know, we go to church thinking, I've done my bit. Shane Willard says, um, is it duty or service? Am I coming to church because, ah, oh, kids, hour and a half, we've got church, then we can go to the beach. And it's like we'll just drag them there, and then we can go to the beach and have fun and do our own thing. Or is it sacrifice, where it's like, "Hey, I'm going to come. I'm going to give of all my life. I'm going to. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be. I'm going to contribute the giftings that are on my life." Like it's good to see Dan and Shelley. You even got a baby. Oh my gosh! Got on, you mum, grandma. It's so good to see you come back. And you know, it's like. Um, a heart to serve. And it's like, I mean, Dan, I think you said last night, it's been ages, it feels like we're really disconnected and it's great to see you back. And it's like, you know, we, we want to stay connected with what God's doing. We want to, you know, we want to challenge ourselves that we're not just happy to to come along occasionally or, or just have a nominal sort of a, a, a Christian experience. It's like when you, that's why I call this sermon all in. It's when we are all in. I mean, you, you, This sermon was going to go so many places that I'm not going today. I was going to talk about Braveheart. And I knew I'd get all the guys because it's our favorite movie. I don't want to be a martyr. And then as I was doing it, I thought, I can't do it. But the thing that I was going to point out of that movie, here's the, the summary, is that William came in to settle down, to get married, have a family, be a farmer. He, he, he was partially involved. Scotland was ruled by England and everything. But then there came a turning point where he was all in. They said, you're going to fight? He says, no, I'm not going to fight. I want to be a farmer. But it came a turning point when his wife was murdered. I don't know if you remember the scene. He's on his horse and he's you know, just coming down through the huts. And he had that decision to make. Do I start something here? Because if I start something, I've got to finish it. And I think some of us Christians have got to decide that we're going to start something. Some of us have got to decide that I'm going to start something today. He came down that trail with a sword tucked in under his hair, behind his back, and he had that moment. It's like, right, what am I going to do? And you could see it was really good acting. Um, what's his name? Mel Gibson, yeah. You could see it in his eyes. He was weighing out what he was going to do. And then he just, whoa, whoa I won't go into all the details. He started a battle that he could not get out of. And I think some of us need to start that. We need to actually say, okay, I am all in. No more around the fringes. I'm all in. Here's um, Jesus when he was in the garden. This is when he was, um, just before his crucifixion. So he's out praying, and he comes back, and he returns to (laughs) to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there's the, that whole thing about the song that I, we sang there before. It says, my, my heart and flesh. And it's like, I don't know about you, but my heart's for God, but my flesh does its own thing. And I've got to keep pulling my flesh back to where God wants me to be. And I, I, I don't know, you might not have any struggles with that, but it's like, why is it? It says it in the Bible. Jesus said it, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then you've got Galatians five sixteen and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. But it's not. Because we're thinking the next step what, what about me? Whereas God's saying, what about him? You know, we're living in times where people around us are, are not happy. Even to the point of desperation, and there's an opportunity to speak into lives and bring Christ into the center of their worlds. And more than ever, we need to be need the Holy Spirit's guidance in our own lives. We don't need religion, we need presence and encounter with God. We need to be all in. I don't care if you forget everything I say today. Just remember all in. That's only five letters. All in. So if I can have the band come up here, I'm just gonna just point out a few things. You think oh, what does all in look like? Um it's fair enough to say it, but how, 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 and how does it look? And so I've just got some things here, a couple of them are from thoughts from the conference. Um, I'll get to that point in a second. But the first one is spending time with God. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You're thinking, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. And that's getting to know, you know, when we are getting to know someone well, we spend time with them. Is that right? We're never going to get to know somebody well if we don't spend time with them. And I, I think there's, it's a season where we need to spend time with Jesus. Whether that's just putting on worship music, whether that's um, listening to YouTube or podcasts, whether it's, it's just um, spending time in your lazy boy with no agenda and say, God, come, speak to my life. I need to hear you. I want to be led by you. I want to, be, I want to impact those around about. Second thing is, we don't talk about this in church very often. You might hear it at the new persons' lunch just briefly, but that's about it. But where your money is, your heart is. Um, we had a situation, Caff and I, we were in church where we appointed a female uh, as our leader, our senior pastor. Had a real amazing prophet uh, prophetic gifting on her life and leadership, with the support of her husband. Just a beautiful person. Everybody was in favour of it. We thought. Nobody said really anything, oh, we don't think it's a very good appointment. But do you know what happened? The money dried up. People didn't say anything, but they stopped tithing because they were unsure about the appointment. And to the point we couldn't pay them. We couldn't pay our staff. And they were going weeks without being paid. And we were looking at thinking, what the hang's happening? But people didn't need to say anything. It was like, they weren't invested in the appointment and so they held their money back. God sees our hearts and when we give, we're giving to Him. He honours that and He blesses that. You know, with my kids, if I buy them their first car, they don't value it. If they work at the checkout or the McDonald's and they get enough money for a car, they value that. And so where we put our money, we value. Jesus, He noted amongst all the crowds, a widow that came up and gave her two mites. And all the others were giving thousands. She comes up and gives cents. And He says, what she has done is greater than all the others. Because it's not out of our overflow, it's about of our substance that we give. There goes my tithing message. We don't need to do that for another year. And the next two things I got from conference, just sitting in the room in the atmosphere. And this, this first one is this, sometimes what is good is not the best for us. Online church is good. It's something new. It's like COVID created online church in every local church around the country and the world. That's great. You can watch, you can go to church anytime you like. When we can't make it, we can watch it during the week. When we're sick, we can watch it. When when it just doesn't work to get to church, we can watch it. It's great, but it's not best. There's something about being in the room that you experience more of what God has for you amongst your brothers and sisters and your family. We were, were At the conference, Banning was speaking and I, I look back on my notes thinking that I got the most out of what Banning was speaking. But when I look back, Tuck Barnard, Barna, I got more notes of him. If I look at my notes, I get more out of the notes of Tuck. But something about Banning was that he was so natural. He was so real. He wasn't hyped up. He was just talking like this. He was just yarning to us like this. Oh, I must be a bit hyped, eh? I need to calm on down. Sharing his stories. And there was something you picked up in the atmosphere that you if you weren't in the room, you wouldn't have picked it up. But being in the room, God touches the hearts. So get to church, get in the room, get to Connect Group, get in the room. The fourth one, when you come to a new town, you don't know anybody. What a great place to find connection, friends. You find a whole family by just walking into a church and saying, this is my church, committing to it. That is blimmin' insane. When Kath and I first came to Rolleston five years ago, we knew nobody we came into church we did know two people Val and Roger Roxborough. it's like oh there's like mum and dad Roxborough, they're here but we knew no one else and friendships are great and you come to church and you may get to know people and connect with other families and, and you can do life together and 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 um, coming to church Kath and I I feel way more part of the community now that I've been coming to church here and I know you guys when I'm out in the community I see you guys I see you in the supermarket I see you in the warehouse I see you at McDonald's wherever and I feel like hey this is my community this is my town this is my town The connection is good but if the connection becomes the reason you come to church then we miss out on something. The reason we come to church is to serve. The ge- the reason we come to church is to is to grow the kingdom. The reason we come to church is that our gifts can be used. Ministry opportunities can be used. God has got myths, gifts myths myths and gifting. Giftings and 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 stuff and good and yeah, stuff on all of our lives If we don't come to church. You know, that's just, you just do that amongst your family if you're disciplined enough to do that. But coming to church gives you an expression for your faith and you can touch the hearts of other people by coming to church. Can we stand, please? We're going to sing the song, Meet Me Here. And, uh, you know, I... I just realized when I dropped my voice down that I was probably speaking a little hyped, hey? So But as we sing the song, let's just respond to Jesus this morning. If you're online this morning and you're watching it or during the week, whatever, you know, I just challenge you to to drop to your knees in your lounge and, and just say, God, yeah, here I am. I want more of you. And this morning, if, if anybody this morning feels that something has been pricked in their lives and they would like some prayer, some ministry. You remember the altar call? The altar here is always open. We've got a team that are just happy to pray with you. That there's something in our lives that actually wants more of God. My heart and my flesh. Flesh, you get in behind. You line up with my heart. And the song says it beautifully as well. So let's sing the song. Meet me here.